Hi, this is Matt Stagliano, and thanks for being part of the Artist Forge. We're a community of creatives who help each other think like an artist by discussing creativity as a process instead of a skill or a talent. We believe everyone has what it takes to create something amazing, we just need some encouragement and inspiration along the way. What you're about to hear is a live recording of one of our daily discussions on the Clubhouse app. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to join our private Facebook group or visit us on the web at theartistforge.com. Now on to the show. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Morning Walk and Photo Talk with The Artist Forge. We're so glad to have you guys with us this morning and can't wait to get back into talking about critique this week. So yesterday we talked about the importance of critique and why it's something we need to be actively pursuing, both receiving critique and giving it. And then in the group, we all began sharing images for critique, keeping in mind all of the things that we've learned over the past month and some change about visual literacy and how all of those things affect the way that we view, decode, and understand imagery. And already in the group, we've had some really incredible images shared. And also, everybody has been giving such thorough critique um, that it's really fantastic to read because you begin to notice things that other people have trained their eyes to see that you might not have noticed. And so um, if you are in the Artist Forge Facebook group, really encourage you guys to head over there. And if you, if you don't plan on submitting, um, go read those critiques, go see what people are saying and how they are approaching this process of critique. Um, because it just, um, you can learn so much from it just by checking that stuff out. Also, as part of our morning announcements, want to let everybody know we had a really fantastic meeting yesterday um, of the Artist Forge kind of core crew and talked about some of the things that we're going to do moving forward, uh, just having a little bit more um, information to put out for you guys. So looking at things like mentor posts that will be going up in Facebook and then turn into blogs, looking at scheduling our twice a month live streams and um, moving forward with podcast ideas. So I'm letting you all know so you can keep us accountable as we move forward. And so all of that stuff is on the horizon for us as well. So exciting times here as we start expanding a little bit, uh, having more information to offer you. And of course, I've mentioned this before, but all of the goodies like webinars and tutorials and things are coming up in the future as well. And so we're in the planning stages for a lot of that stuff. So, so many good things. And I'm excited to move forward with you guys. It's pretty amazing. All right. Let's start getting into our conversation about critique. So yesterday we talked about the importance of critique. Today we're going to talk about how we give it. And specifically, what kinds of things we should be considering when we give critique. You can see some of this happening already in the critique that's going on in the Artist Forge group. What you will notice is there is a lack of, I don't like this image, or this is a poor image. None of that is happening. And the reason is because when you give an image critique, you're not necessarily giving your opinion on whether or not you like something. You are asking yourself, what your gut reaction is to the image, and then examining why you feel that way, going through that list of visual literacy um, pinpoints. And I've included those in the premiere post. So it is a, the announcement. And if you go back and look, you'll see the list of things like composition, lighting, camera angle, environment, wardrobe, subject, matter, body language, relationship of objects within the frame, all of that good stuff. And something will make you feel a certain way. Most of us, as we encounter image in our daily lives, are not going to ask ourselves why. 
This makes me feel really unsettled. Why does it do that? This makes me feel happy. Why does it do that? What do all the elements that are here mean? And your ability to evaluate those things then becomes the vehicle through which you can communicate with the person looking for critique. And it's up to them to decide if what you have said is gonna help them create better images in the future. And if they believe it applies to what they've made. And it always helps if we have those things in context. So the moderators are gonna talk a little bit about that process this morning, and then we're gonna open up and start bringing you guys up to share some of your thoughts on the process so far. So y'all, what do you think are some important things we need to keep in mind when we are asked to give critique? I think it's important to absolutely ask for specifics. What are you looking for critique on? Are you looking for, in general, just tell me how this looks? Are you looking for information on lighting technique or storytelling or Photoshop technique? What is it that you're looking for critique on? I think when you're, when you're most specific in asking for it, then the critique, the critic, <laughs> the, the critiquer, the critic will be able to hone in on those specific things rather than giving you a general overview, which may or may not be helpful at all. So I know when I'm asking for critique, it's for something specific that I'm looking for feedback on rather than generalities. Sometimes generality is good, but I like to be very specific in asking for feedback so that I can give my critic exactly what they need um, to look at in the image. So as the critic, what do you think you need to keep in mind when you're about to evaluate an image? Well, I'm, clearly I'm, I'm trying to respond to what I'm being asked. If it's just in a general sense, then I'm going to hit the major points. I'm going to hit storytelling. I'm going to hit technique. I'm going to hit post-production. I'm going to hit all of those things and do what I do when I'm normally providing critique, which is, all right, is this my personal bias? Is it something based on experience? Is it answering their question? Um, is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it true? And really looking to, um, you know, give the person, if they give me no direction whatsoever, I'm going to give a good over, overall view, the Walmart view, if you will, of uh, responses. I don't, I don't know if that answers your question, Nicole, or not, but um, in the yeah. absence of any good direction, I'm going to give you the most overall general feedback I can give. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned a few of the things that I think are really important for us to keep in mind. First, if the, if the person being critiqued, the critique if they are asking for something specific, then obviously we don't want to go down a rabbit hole of everything else without making sure that we've answered that particular question. Um, and also, I love that you mentioned again, is it necessary? Is it true? Is it kind? Because that's kind of a big, broad framework. I think that we can adopt for our response to people in general, you know, whether they're looking for a critique or they have a question or whatever it is. Um, I think that that provides a really great framework for consideration, no matter what we're responding to. And then within that, um, you know, asking yourself, is there, what can I look at here that has to do with technique, with, you know, post-production, like those things, those kind of big bullet points that you can hit, um, I think makes a really great framework. So definitely important things for us to keep in mind. Um, Becca, Kat, Bassam, anything for you guys you think is important to keep in mind when we are giving critique? Well, the, the intention of the image, first and foremost, is it portrait? Is it editorial? Like the critique you might give for something that is a portrait might not be the same critique you would give for fashion. Um, I was judging at WPPI this year and my panel handled the bulk of the portrait work, but one chapter of images that we were judging was for fashion. And we had been judging portrait and portrait and portrait and portrait and portrait. And then the last grouping was this, this fashion setup. And 
all of the judges, you know, we'd been in this space of it being portrait and this image came up that was really fantastic. Um, and there was like this level of detail that in portrait, like, wasn't really necessary for the overall storytelling of the image, but in fashion, it meant a lot because you were seeing the detail of the fabric and the sewing for the garment, and then the light was really spectacular and no pun intended. Um, and we had to stop and say, wait a second, like, yeah, okay, it's pretty as portrait, but as fashion, like, this is a big deal. Like the level of detail that you're getting in these different aspects of an image are really valuable in a fashion sense that are really just adding texture in a portrait sense. So understanding what the purpose uh, is for the imagery that you're sharing and asking critique on, uh, I think is hugely powerful just in how it's received. That's such a good point, Kat. And so I love that you mentioned um you know, understanding the purpose. So, and that brings up something that's interesting because when we're evaluating images, having that context makes a big difference on the response that we're able to give. And which is completely the opposite of if you happen to encounter, we'll call it in the wild. If you happen to encounter an image in the wild, um, you're hoping that that context helps you interpret the image too, right? If you see it in a magazine, versus if you see it on somebody's wall, or maybe if you just happen to be scrolling on your phone. Um, and each genre is going to have certain things that separate it as its own. So having that ability to know what the context is, the purpose of the image, why it was made, really allows you to look at, this is writing talk, but those genre specific tropes, right? Things that you should expect from an image if it plans to live in that category. So I think you're right. So important to know that because it completely changes the way that you're going to respond to the tropes within the image itself. Um, and something that works in fashion may not work in other places. So. Absolutely. So, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, go ahead. I'll I thought you said, I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> All right. Basam, Becca, anything we should be keeping in mind? Um, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Becca. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so Matt pretty much covered uh, where I wanted to go there with making sure you're asking questions and really wanting to know what people are wanting to focus on and what they're actually seeing or not seeing enough of in their own work. And um, especially if you have the opportunity to really have a back and forth dialogue with whoever's work you are critiquing, um, you know, if it's a friend or a student or whatever, um, you know, really asking them in-depth questions about the work so you can see where their mind was at and um, where they are hoping to go. But overall, just making sure that there is the, the end goal with the critique is growth for the artist. And however you are phrasing things, however you are approaching things, the end goal should be for the artist to come out with a stronger piece of work. And that should be also then, you know, your own goal with your own art is to come out of a critique with a stronger piece of work and a stronger approach to your next artwork. Um, I, I think it's very easy when giving critique to explain things that aren't working, but offering solutions and phrasing things in a way that are gonna help the artist to elevate it in a way that is you know, effective and better is really the end goal there. Yeah, that's, that's a fantastic point. And mentioning what your goal is as the critiquer, um, that's a really important thing, I think, for us to keep in mind as well, because many of us will have experienced, particularly in Facebook groups for photographers or other online forums, where it's very clear that somebody's goal in responding to a request for critique is not to make sure they're being of service to the photographer, it's to show everybody how much they know about the technique or whatever else. Um, just by the way that they've responded, um, that they're not really looking to help anyone, but to kind of peacock their own skill set. So making sure, what's that? Oh, exactly, agreeing, yeah. Yeah, so making sure that we set those intentions for ourselves before we begin a critique 
um, I think is, you're right, it's just so important because it really does color how we respond um, and make sure that we are, because, I mean, let's be real, sometimes it feels good, right, to, to dive into the weeds of stuff you know about, whether that's they're holding the gun wrong or they're holding the bow and arrow wrong and here's why, <laughs> you know, all of these things that we know. And it kind of, it can feel a little bit good to be able to get into something that is uh, a knowledge area or a passion area for you and be like, hey, everybody, I know this stuff. Um, and many of us will do it without even realizing that that's what we've done because those things appeal to our area of interest. So making sure we set that intention and then kind of remove our own ego and considering our own preferences, I think, is really important as well because I have seen judging before. Um, I'm glad that this isn't, hasn't happened yet on any of the panels I'm on but or have been on, but I've seen judging before where the judges will be making suggestions based on their personal tastes and not necessarily something that the photographer was aiming for with the image they were creating. And I think if we do set those expectations for ourselves beforehand, that we're trying to help the photographer come away with a better image. And it might even be worthwhile to clarify, better is not always completely subjective. So more like what they want <laughs> or um, closer to achieving their goal might even be a good way to think of that. Like, I want to help this person get closer to making the thing that they want to make, to having the thing that they make communicate more clearly their intentions. Um, might even be a good way to kind of process that in our heads. Because your definition of good, criterion aside, may involve your taste. And I think that that's a kind of a fine line that we have to walk. In my case, I, I don't have a lot of experience in, in critiquing photos other than me, you know, in my own head, criti critiquing photos that I look at. But, uh, but I like I like a structured approach using what we what we you know we've been talking about. So, uh, first of all, if the if the person that asked for the critique uh, shared the intention, the story they're trying to tell, the theme they're trying to cover, that makes it a bit easier. Beyond is as a viewer, did I actually? Did you succeed in, 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 in showing me what you intended to show me? And if so, I like to always give two or three or one, one, one level deeper point of how you succeeded. Why? You know, what made it work for me? And also one or two things that maybe took away, took away from that, that theme or that intent or could have been done better. But if they don't, if, they, if there's no guidance as to what they're looking for, I think I go through kind of three things. It's uh, one of them being the technical aspect of it, you know, whether it's retouching, whether it's lighting, whether it's exposure, just basic technical stuff. That's one thing I look at. And, and, and uh, the second would be the storytelling aspect. And the third would be all the elements of visual, uh, visual literacy that we talked about. So, you know, yesterday when I was going through them, you kind of look at the list and you say, okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe symmetry in this case, maybe something to point out and say how well it worked, even though it may not have been intentional, but at least it gives the the uh, it gives the photographer a little bit of feedback of 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 how people see the image and with specifics that kind of take a, take away from the like they bring you down to something actionable as opposed to just it's mm. good or not good type of thing, right? Yeah, like I think that's um, things are it, you know right. don't hurt people, right? Like for example, you know if if you do this in Photoshop, it may bring you out better. Or if you, or if you, you know, you tell her to do this on the, while she's posing, it may have solved that problem. It's extremely actionable, and it's not a, it's not a, you know, this guy's out to get me type of remark, right? Sure. So making yeah. sure that we are looking at this approach from a systemic um, method, so that we're not leaving things out, but then also making sure that the result is actionable steps is. Um, and if we have skill set in that area, maybe suggestions for things to try, such as, you know, if you move the light here, that, or if you add a diffuser, that will remove this, or etc. Exactly. I mean, I'm looking at Kat's pose in her in her profile picture here, the way she has her arms over her knee. I just commented on Tyler. I, I think he left us. No, he's still there. I just said, you know, her uh, the, the picture that he posted. Her arm looks a bit tight. 
and the way she posed her hand is a little bit uh, constrained. And I said, all I would ask her is move back your elbow about six inches and let your hand go. And it's just a very actionable thing that I learned and I find I apply almost every single time. I look at the arm, how it rests on the knee. A lot of portraits are, are done that way. And it just works. So it's kind of a simple advice that is not threatening and you can learn from it. Sure. That brings up a really interesting point as well that we can tie into yesterday's conversation and also that Matt has mentioned. So you said non-threatening, Matt mentioned kind, and I think it's important for us to keep in mind that when we're giving critique, we don't always know the person that we're responding to, particularly if we are giving this within the context of um, judging or in a Facebook group or something like that. And so if we really do care about being of service to another photographer to help them, you know, like Becca said, walk away with a better image, then we need to be considerate in the way that we respond. And you don't necessarily have to be all sugary sweet, but you do need to recognize that people are much more receptive to feedback when they don't feel defensive. And there are times that people are just going to bring that in with them because maybe they had a bad day or somebody before you said something mean and now they're already feeling a little bit like they're on the defense. But we should always be approaching giving this feedback in a way that makes it the most likely to be received well by the person asking for it. Because if you are throwing them grenades and being like, run, <laughs> you, might, you might be effective, but they're certainly never going to benefit from that um, experience. So definitely making sure that you're approaching giving feedback from a space of, let me put this in a way that it's going to be the easiest for them to take action on it. Um, and they're going to be able to receive it gladly instead of not taking your advice because they were pissed off with your tone. So that's an important thing to think about because all of this is social interaction, right? And even though somebody is inviting social interaction, it doesn't necessarily mean that they want you to give them feedback from a place of, uh, you know, I got cut off in traffic and now I'm pissed off and everything I say is going to have that edge of meanness to it. Um, so setting that intention beforehand and making sure that you're asking yourself, is it kind, is the way that I'm responding to this something somebody can actually take in? All right, so as we're getting close to the half hour mark, we want to invite the audience to respond. What are some important things that we need to be keeping in mind, y'all, when we give critique? If you've got one today, don't be afraid to raise your hand. Let me pull you up there. Hey, I, I think I, so. Oh, well, go ahead, Bizarre. Sorry, I have a, uh, if you don't mind, uh, I don't know if I interrupted you or not. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, no, did, no, did I? I thought, huh? No, go ahead. Listen, I, I have a kind of question. Maybe somebody can, can tell me how they deal with it. How do you deal with critiquing photos that you find totally appealing sorry, totally amazing photos, but it's not your thing. You just don't like that style. And yet you have to kind of give your feedback on it. And I know it's, it's personal preference, but it's, it, to me, it's like a black and white. Like I can't stand that style, but I, but, but there's some amazing aspects to this photo. Ooh, good question. That's How do you do it y'all? It Exactly. Like there are some, this is not my style, but I really appreciate X, Y, and Z. So you say it right up front, this is not my style, or, or, or some version of Sometimes, that. Sometimes, right? like, oh, like, this is not something I've ever really tried my hand at. However, looking at it, just looking at it from, like, that visual literacy standpoint, right, I really appreciate how this, this, and this were done. I think it could be improved upon in this way. Um, it doesn't have to be your style for you to look at it with a critical eye. Um, and I think that's, that's really important to help all of us grow because you might be looking at something that you're just like, I would never try and attempt this in a million years, 
but if I were to, like, that's actually a really cool assignment. Like, assign people different styles of imagery to create that are totally outside of their wheelhouse. Like, okay, you know, Basam, I want you to go and create something in a really high contrast, black and white, um, that feels really, you know, evocative X, Y, Z. And it's something that you won't necessarily try and accomplish on your own normally, but it gives you the, the perspective of how to achieve certain things in that style. Um, I think when when you add in that context of not necessarily being, you know, the biggest fan of a certain art style or genre or whatever, um, by communicating that to the artist, I think that can also be very helpful for them because it does give them an added piece of context so they can know how other people beyond their usual audience may be receiving the work. And it also then can help them gauge just, you know, who you are and how much value they want to place on what you have to say. Yeah, that's a great point, Becca. And I think for me, in circumstances like this, um, that's when I default back to all of the things that I know about visual literacy, right? I don't need to like something to be able to tell whether or not the composition is done well or whether or not everything that's included in the frame. Stop saying what I'm going to say. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> Let me, I'm going to hush and you I'm- go. I'm sorry, I didn't know my microphone was turned on. <laughs> well, That's what I gotta, Now you got to finish it up, Robert. <laughs> yeah, well, as it, and, you know, in any print competition, there is, uh, I think there's the 12 points that you're supposed to go for. And it, it's not about what you like or dislike. I'm so tired of being in judging competitions and sitting back and hearing some judge go, I'm so fucking tired of seeing this style. It doesn't matter. Does it have the impact? You know, if you don't like black and whites, I, I think that's sad. But um, it's about the quality of the images. The image have impact. Does it say something to you? Doesn't matter if you like that particular venue. Venue. See, I can even talk. Venue. It's about. Is it created properly? It must have, if it got you some kind of comp thing, so then you have to give it a decent score. And it's really hard. I've seen so many judges go, well, you know, it's just not my thing. doesn't matter if it's your thing. It matters is, does it fit the criteria? Does it make the 12 points that you're supposed to discover in looking at it? Does it have impact? Does it have a good title? All these little silly things that really make it, and it's there. And it's like, I put mine up there for critique, mainly because I wanted to show the difference between what Wynn put up to be critiqued and mine. His is one light, mine's six. Nobody caught that. (laughs) But I wish I'd have put the better image of it up instead of the one megabyte that I put to put on the internet. So it's so soft. It softened down my softness, but that's okay. I can take it. But I just was wanting to show the difference between lighting styles during the critique, and nobody really caught that part, but that's okay. And I'll shut up now, but the main thing is about judging and critiquing. It doesn't matter what you like. Does it match what you're supposed to be seeing? Yep. Well, I mean, you already know I agree with you. Since we're saying the same thing. Um, but yeah, I do. I agree. I think when something is not, you know, or when we find it difficult to judge something because it is in a style we dislike, that's when we fall back on those visual literacy things and make sure. Because here's the interesting thing. The language of visual art is the same across visual art. There may be small differences depending on media that are media specific. So for example, you still want to have a pleasing composition when you make a piece of pottery. Does it happen in the same way? Not always, right? But looking at the lines, looking at rhythm, where is the weight of the piece? 
Is there texture that makes contrast in the piece? All of those things still apply, maybe in a slightly different way, but the language of the visual is the same. And so once you understand from a literacy perspective what those things are that come together and make a strong image, then you get to apply them, whether it's a piece you enjoy or not. So I'm with you there. Jean, what are your thoughts this morning, good sir? Good morning. I um, I just wanted to you know add simply that as, as I'm gaining more experience, one of the areas where I've been focusing my attention on is with a lot of beginning photographers, a lot of frustrated photographers. And I, 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 I realized that this was a, a, you know, an area that I wanted to focus on when I started to see, um, you know, young beginning photographers get their first camera for Christmas kind of thing. Um, you know, getting bullied into getting off, um, the man, the uh, auto settings on their camera, you know, people telling them on the internet that you're not really a photographer if you're shooting an auto. Now, you know, I can't remember the last time I shot an auto, but what I'm, what I'm, you know, what I've come to realize, I did a, a one of my early videos was about the things that you can focus on before you try to get on manual and, and not to drag that out. But the point of that is, is that, my goal with with talking about that was there there was I saw so many photographers get frustrated because they couldn't figure out the exposure triangle or they they didn't have the right information and they were kind of confused on you know how to set up their camera and I see so many photographs that are perfectly exposed but the the photographer hasn't taken any time to consider composition subject you know the story of the image and things like that so i i talked a little bit about you know how important it is to not get scared away from photography because some you know bully on the internet said that you have to be on manual or you're not really a photographer and i i really connect and 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 all of this resonates with me how deliberate and empathetic this group is towards critique because just like you were saying, you know, you, you don't know the person, you don't know, you know, everything about the person who you're critiquing. I think that to add to that is, you know, you, you, you may be critiquing something from someone who is, you know, on the verge of quitting and they're just looking for some kind of feedback. And I'm not saying tell someone that a bad image is good, but give them that critique that they need so that they can grow, so that they know what they're doing right, so that they have something to build on instead of just pointing out what's wrong. And I think that's really important, you know, when, when giving critique, because, because you can take the ground right out from underneath a young photographer if you only tell them what's wrong with an image. But if you give them what's right and then and then give them, like Bassam said, some actionable things to work on, then they're at least working on a solid footing and they can move forward. And and I'm I'm finding that I mean I've been shooting for 30 years. I've only been doing it professionally for a couple. I have so much to learn. And I know Nicole, you're gonna yell at me for this, but like I'm I'm looking at these images and I'm I'm terrified to like, I'm looking through trying to think of what could I possibly share for critique, you know? And I, because I'm just, I'm intimidated by the talent and the skill of the people that are posting things in the Facebook group. And I know that that's not the point. I mean, the point is, is to, is to you know, post the best thing I've got and listen to what everybody has to say. And it would probably be a great exercise if I post one of my images because it'll probably be one of the worst ones you see on the group. So you can really test everyone's ability to, to be kind. But I just, I found myself hesitant, you know, and, and I want to, and I will, but I feel that. And I'm not a horrible photographer, but my gosh, when I look at what everyone is doing, I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm inspired, but I'm also terrified because you start to know what you don't know. 
You're right. I am going to smack you around for that one. Um, but I think it's important that you bring it up because I know Trish mentioned this yesterday. There's often a great amount of fear that accompanies the act of making yourself vulnerable enough to receive feedback on something that you've worked hard on. And first of all, you need to change your inner dialogue, your inner monologue. You know that. Um, you have to stop saying those things to yourself and you have to stop saying them out loud, Jean, <laughs> cut it out. Um, but also you're right. That's not the point. And I think we make this mistake, particularly when we're, when we're looking at the work like this in groups is it can become really easy to, it can become really easy to compare yourself and, the mistake that we make when we do that is that we still somehow are smuggling in this idea that there are good and bad and that if you get a good critique, you're good. And if you get a bad critique, you're bad. And that's not the case at all. I didn't pick my best image to put up there. I put up one that I like, but that I thought this is going to be a good starting off point because it's a pretty good image, but it, it, there can be improvements here. And it gives everybody something to latch onto um, and move forward with, right? And I can't obviously um, go and reshoot that, but there are changes that I can make to the image itself to strengthen it. And a lot of people pointed out great stuff. That doesn't mean that the image is bad um, because there are things I can do to improve. It just means that in that shot, here's some cool stuff I can learn to keep in mind for the next time I shoot something like this. I can take this forward into you know, into uh, my next shoots, and that will make them stronger. I'm going to pause back here and let these cars go. But I also want to share, I want to share a little story that I think might help also illuminate how we think about our communication um, in situations like this where we're giving critique or where we are basically being put in a position of authority by someone who's hoping we can help them. So my son is learning to drive. He's in driver's ed and, uh, and I let him drive home last night after I picked him up, let him drive home. And I could tell how nervous he was. My son is one of those people who feels like they must be able to do everything well immediately. And if he can't, he believes that he's being judged. So it's really hard for him to pick up new skills and techniques where other people are present to see him fail because in his head, he thinks that they're judging him. And I recognize this about him from a, a really early age. So the way that I deal with him when I'm helping him learn something new is with a lot of positive feedback on the things he's doing well and reminding him not to overthink or to attach too much to the outcome, right? To relax, it's not that big of a deal because his, he will critique his braking, you guys. If he happens to brake too fast, he's like, God, I really need to work on braking. <laughs> and I'm like, man, relax. This is a skill that you build over time, not something you have to be good at right now. And that, so the story continues. I'm going to do that in a second. But that really translates to how something we need to keep in mind when we're critiquing and when we're about to put images up. These are skill sets we get better at over time. There's no end. We didn't just reach mastery and all of a sudden you can't get any better. Um, and it's not as if the people who have reached it are now standing in judgment over everybody else being able to dictate what is good and bad. So we have to be really careful about allowing ourselves to cultivate that mindset. But then in the rest of the story, when we got home, he told me he liked driving with me better than the instructor or with his dad. Both of those are men. Um, my husband is a very straightforward kind of teacher. If you want to learn something from him, um, he is going to give you a lot of constructive criticism. He's not mean by any means, but he also is not really generous with praise either. He will tell you if you're doing something wrong. And Hunter, my son, is just not the kind of person who responds well to feedback like that. I say all of this to say that if it was not my son in the car, I may alter the way that I give somebody feedback if I was teaching them to drive. But I know him 
and I know what is the most helpful for him and what allows him to move forward. And that makes a big difference between when we're giving feedback to somebody we don't know and when we're giving feedback to somebody that we do know. Um, within a small group context, there are a lot of people who will ask for feedback and I know what I can give them. I know when I can say, you know that you didn't do a good job here. And they're like, yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes they just need somebody to come along and tell them they already know and shush them about along on their journey. Um, people have different needs. And if you are, you know, really well acquainted with somebody and they trust you, that allows you a little bit more leeway to change the way that you communicate in a way that you know works best for them. Sometimes certain people really just need a good kick in the butt. And they appreciate that kind of thing because they're reticent and they know that to move forward, they're going to need some pressure and other people really just need a little light tap. Um, and you know that the more you get to know somebody, you can affect the way that you communicate with them in order to be the most effective. So affect and then effect. There you go, grammar Nazis. Um, but all of that to say, back to what you said, Jean. You have to watch what you say to yourself, guys, um, both as the critiquer and as the person asking for critique. And then if we know, so Gene has just told us, everybody, um, his trepidation regarding putting things up for critique. The more context we have about the person we're dealing with, the more we can make adjustments to the way that we communicate in a way that's going to help somebody receive what we're giving them. So, well, and Nicole, I also want to make sure that, like, I and I don't bring that I up. I know so, you're not saying be handling you know, with kids. Right, 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 I know. Right, right. I'm just using you as an example. Do we have the same son? Because one of my sons is exactly like that, and we have to approach it the same way. Um, where instead of mentioning anything that may come off as critical, we instead have to push towards again that actionable option. Where mm -hmm. you know, we're like, okay, oh yeah, this is really cool. Have you tried X, Y, Z instead? And um, it, it's been a learning process because I am much more forward, and uh, he does not respond well to that. Um, but yes, the having that intimacy in the conversation is so so valuable. So even if you aren't sending stuff out to competitions or whatever, being able to again have that kind of bouncing board. I know you've talked before about having your quote unquote tribe of people to talk to. That is another way to get critique in a way that's more comfortable and elevate your art from there. Yeah, agreed. And so to close out that story, as we start getting towards the end of our hour and we start having final thoughts. May, may I? Oh, yeah, please go ahead. Okay. When I first started 30 years ago and I first got into print competition, this was back in the film days. I photographed this young black lad with a basketball uniform and I lit the ball so it's that and, and I spent three hundred dollars on this very first competition print making sure it was absolutely perfect and it got the grand score of a 78 which is two points short of short of a merit so I found one of the judges and I asked him this question and luckily I'm bold and crazy and he goes well which one was it? And I said, it was a young black lad looking at the football, at a basketball, going, looking towards the future. And he goes, oh, I, yeah, I remember that one. He looked too good. He looked like he should be wearing a three-piece suit. I've seen black kids playing basketball. They didn't look that good. And that's what his answer to me was. But I didn't quit because he just said, huh? And then I owned another one, and it was when I first got into digital, and I am kind of Vargas kind of the guy, and I photographed a girl in the studio, topless in shorts, and then I put her in after using like 50 layers of Photoshop because, you know, I was still learning Photoshop way back then. And I entered it, and a guy argued and fought and brought it to the top. I got an 85, my first best score ever in my life. So I went to the judge because he told me who it was, and I thanked him. And he goes, wait a minute, that was a composite, wasn't it? And I said, yes. He says, I'll never fight for that again. If I ever see that, I'm going to knock it out. And it's like, so I had my high and low all on the same day because I was crushed that he just tore it all down 
and I had hours and hours in it, but I didn't quit. I kept fighting. I kept learning until I'm at today. Today, I think I'm a very, very, you know, somewhat proficient photographer, even though you think my stuff's too soft, but I'll get over it. See, and that's how it all works, but you got to take the good with the bad and keep learning. It, It print competition is a learning experience. And the only way you're going to learn is to, to, to fail and pick yourself up and go on. Enough said. So I have two things there. Um, and you definitely said some of, some of my thoughts that I'm going to share. So um, I'll clarify those. But first, let me be very, very clear. Actually, I'm a little bit angry. So hang on. Let me calm down a second. Let me be very, very clear. If you bring, as a judge or a critiquer, your personal biases into the critique, um, as that judge did, and that happens um, in any group that I'm an admin of, let me just tell you that it's not, it's not going to happen, okay? I won't allow that shit. So let's make sure, um, as we talked before about when we set our intention for critique, that we are very clear with ourselves um, about what our biases are and the fact that those don't have a place in that kind of critique. And if you find it difficult to leave your biases at home, either step away or just simply use the visual literacy scale that we talked about and let it go at that. Um, So, yeah. So I just want to make that really crystal clear really quickly. And then... Let me leave that behind and roll my shoulders a bit and then just say, um, so what you said, Robert, is exactly what I told my son in that most of us will have built up a natural way of being. And I know David would smack me around if he heard me say natural, because it is, of course, acquired by our environment and our experiences. But when I say natural, I mean it is happening without our our guiding the process, okay? We will develop a way of being, um, like my son has, where that type of feedback is what is the most beneficial to him right now. But I told him, we get to a certain age where we realize that our natural way of being does not serve us well anymore because the, the circumstances have changed. Um, you change jobs. You go into the army. <laughs> um People are not going to be soft and gentle with you. Um, You will not always have control over the type of feedback you get, which is why um, I kind of gave that uh, quick description yesterday at the end of the group. And we'll talk about this tomorrow as we talk about receiving feedback. But you get to decide your way of being. This is something you can change and affect and then grow from as a person, you can say to yourself, which I'm, my son is about to get this experience. If he does get his first job, he has an interview today. So he will get this experience. If your manager is not the kind of person who gives feedback that is soft and gentle, you have a decision to make. You either walk away and you leave that opportunity behind or you remove your emotions from the circumstances and you train yourself over and over again to be able to handle different feedback. This is not by any means to say that we should continue to encourage or tolerate abusive behavior. Okay. But it is to say if he gets a manager who is like his dad, who's very straightforward and doesn't give out praise as readily, um, He's going to have to learn how to live in that situation and thrive in that situation. We don't get to change people to accommodate our preferences. So we do get to alter that. Um, It takes effort. This isn't something that happens overnight, but it is something that you can do. So just keep that in mind that that applies to us as critiquers as well. You may say, Well, I'm just a really honest person. Often when people say that, they're disguising the fact that they don't want to put in the effort to be palatable. They just want to be able to say whatever comes to the top of their head without repercussions. As adults, we should not believe 
that we get to be one way all the time for everybody because we live in a society and it's our job as members of that group to be useful. And if you show up and you refuse to take into account the other people that are there and you just bull your way forward, um, you're not going to find that you get a very good response. So we're always in charge of that, guys. And our immediate knee-jerk response is going to be based on what we've developed unknowingly. But that doesn't have to stay that way. We can change and alter those things so that they become more useful to us as we move about our lives. So coming towards the end of the hour, talking about giving critique. We've had a lot of fantastic information so far. I will summarize a lot of these great points at the end, but it is time for final thoughts. So any final thoughts based on this conversation today on things we need to keep in mind when we are giving critique? If I offended you, I'm sorry. No, Robert, no, no, no. Your judge, the judge offended me. <laughs> Not you at all. Not you. Um, they were that good judge old boys. who said that to you offended me. They were good old boys. But, you know, I, I, I have learned from it. It's not, it just, unfortunately, it's the way it is. Yeah, and, and I, I recognize that was your experience. And I hope, I'm really sorry if I, it made you think that I was angry. You absolutely was not. Um, I just wanted to make sure, given that experience you had, that we recognize um, as critiquers how important it is not to to be that way. <laughs> not to be yes. that way. Um, I'm okay. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when? I noticed you came up as well. I'd love to hear your thoughts. First of all, I'd like to say I'm very sad that I missed the, the first half of this morning's conversation because I overslept. But uh, a couple of things that, that Gene had said and, and uh, Robert had said. Uh, first of all, Gene, uh, as far as what mode of the camera you use, the best one, the one that is appropriate for the moment I'm taking pictures is the one that I use. I find myself most often in aperture preferred auto exposure with my thumb on the compensation wheel. Uh, I'm on manual when I'm in the studio, of course, and I'm on manual when I'm in lighting situation that demands it. But uh, that's a debate that, that has no real sense of value. Um, as far as technical ability is concerned, W. Eugene Smith, that most of you may remember or may not, one of the great photojournalists of his era, was a terrible technician. Uh, I have read articles written by people who worked in the, in the darkroom for him that finding a negative that was properly exposed was not the rule, it was the exception. But the man had heart, and the ability to form a composition and the ability to stick with a story that was second to none and his work reflected all of that and was rescued in the darkroom by the people who printed for him uh, so technical ability has very little to do with your ability to tell a story and that's uh, that's what a journalist does and above all else, when you are asked to give a critique, kindness should be in the front of your brain. Be kind. If anything else gets in the way, refer back to that rule, first rule. Be kind. Because there's always something you can say that is kind about every image. The maker had a good idea here. This is a strong concept. I love the colors. I, you know, there's always something you can say. And you need to mean that before you say there's other things that could be better or in, in other places something could make this a stronger image. Start with kind, finish with kind, 
always remember that that's the basis of communication. And if you can't be kind, you shouldn't be judging other people's work. That brings up judges. Just like there's all kinds of people in the world, there's all kinds of judges in the world. Some of them are kind. Most of them are. The exceptions are ones who are so wrapped up in their own theories and practices in photography that they can't see anyone else's. And there have been more than a few of those in PPA competition over the years. Um, and there's nothing you can do about it. And when, when there's nothing you can do about it, you suck it up by the cup and live to fight another day. I still have an image of my dad that will eventually merit. I just have to find the right judges to look at it. And I've entered it several times. It always scores in the high 70s. Uh, except I've had some judge friends tell me this should be scoring in the high 80s, low 90s. And I just haven't managed to find a panel of people who agree with them. Doesn't make it any 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 different an image. It doesn't make it stronger or weaker. It just means that the right people haven't put their eyes on it yet. At least that's how I'm. I choose to accept that situation. I will continue to enter it. I will continue to tinker with it. I will make it better if I see something that can be done to make it better. And hopefully one day I will push it over the over the edge and get a merit out of it. I'm emotionally involved in it. It is my dad after all. But uh, but I listen to the critiques and follow the follow the, the rules and sometimes that results in a slightly higher score and sometimes it doesn't. But every time I enter anything for either critique or competition. There's always something to learn. And learning is what it's all about. And I've been doing this for longer than most of you are alive. And, uh, and I haven't stopped learning about it. It is the single overriding passion in my life other than those people that I love. And, uh, and it takes up all of my time. So uh, I'm gonna keep on learning about it until I shuffle off this mortal coil and I'm long-winded today but I'm done that was great my friend um, great advice always back to kindness go ahead Gene well I was just applauding I mean I, I could literally listen to Wynn talk about photography you know 24 hours a day I just I love hearing everything that he has to say about it and I appreciate him bringing up you know the the shooting mode, just because that, for me, that's kind of my third rail on social media. When I see somebody getting bullied because, you know, they're shooting on auto or because they're, they've been, you know, pushed into trying to shoot on manual. And now they're so completely, you know, off the, the charts that they're, they're, they're not happy with anything that they're taking. And so they quit instead of taking the time to learn some of the fundamentals of composing an image, you know, and, and seeing what they could really accomplish with, you know, that, that visual literacy that we've been talking about. And then when they need to make adjustments to their camera settings in order to achieve a certain goal, then that's the right time to come off auto and start really expanding their photography. So that's been kind of my, that's been my big thing with beginning, beginning photographers. Um, so I was, you know, it's, it's nice to hear someone as seasoned and experienced as when, you know, validate the fact that the shooting mode is relative to the needs of the, of, of what you're shooting. You know, it's, it's, it's not what's going to make you a photographer. So I really appreciated that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, y'all. So we are hitting the end of our hour. Um, I want to make sure that I summarize a few of the main points that we've covered today on things that we need to keep in mind when we are critiquing an image. And Matt gave us a really great starting point, a great framework to begin, which is, is it true? Is it kind? And is it necessary? So beginning with that, and then making sure that we set our intention, 
as the critiquer to only give somebody what is going to help them get closer to their goal, right? To make that image stronger. And then, like Kat said, making sure we have context. What were their intentions when they created this? What is it for? What's the purpose of the image? We would obviously give specific feedback to somebody who is trying to get an editorial into a magazine that would be different than if somebody was trying to sell a senior portrait. Because each genre has its own requirements and we need to be able to keep that in mind. Also, making sure that we are careful and remove our personal taste as a criterion for quality. Just because you like fantasy doesn't mean that an image that is not fantasy is not going to be well done, right? Or that, that uh, if you don't love horror and you are critiquing an image that is a horror-based image, that's when we get to defer to the tenets of visual literacy, the things that we talked about for a month um, that help create an image with impact. That's when we defer to those things and be really careful about assuming that our taste is the gold standard because it is not. And making sure that we do not bring our biases into the act of critique. Um, and sometimes they're going to creep in just because that's the nature of a bias. It's, it's almost um, invisible to us. That's why that work of self-reflection is important. Um, we need to recognize that those are there. And then keeping in mind the way that we communicate with people, you can give a critique that is entirely true, that someone will not be able to respond to because you have put them on the defensive, you have made them feel like they are under attack. And so their ability to integrate your feedback is going down the toilet. So keeping in mind that the way you communicate is almost as important as what you have to say. Some people out there will have skin as tough as nails, and so they will be able to take that kind of feedback, but you don't know who those people are. So it is always better if your intention is to help to make the, your response as palatable to that person as possible. And then finally, making sure that you're asking questions and that you are aligning yourself with what the photographer needs from that critique. If they feel comfortable in other areas and they're not looking for critique about posing, but they really are looking for feedback on light, keep it to the light. And then if you notice something else, it's always great to ask, hey, are you open to feedback in this area? And if the person says no, let it go. Um, Remember that you are there in their service and not to showcase your own knowledge. So keep those things in mind. And if you would like to see some really great examples of critique, make sure you head over to the Artist Forge Facebook group. Um, if you are not in there, you have to search for it because it is private, the Artist's Forge. And we will let you in if you make a uh, request. The images that have been shared so far are fantastic, and the feedback that everyone has given is beautifully thorough and kind and really with the intention of helping the photographer achieve what they intend with their imagery. So beautiful examples there. We're going to continue that this week, continue sharing images, continue giving feedback with the goal of being able to integrate all of the things we learned about visual literacy last month and bring them into how we approach not only giving but receiving critique. And, uh, and that will hopefully transfer over as we create imagery. We'll be able to keep those things in mind. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about receiving critique. What do we need to keep in mind when we receive critique? Um, how do we need to position ourselves so that what we get is going to be the most valuable? So we'll talk a lot about that tomorrow. And then we will close off the week um, talking a little bit about our experiences and making sure that, you know, this process helps us take these skills and actually make use of them, not just in giving and receiving critique, but in shooting as well. So grateful to everybody who was here today. 
Um, love having you guys here. I'm so grateful that you come up and share your thoughts and your experiences because it helps give depth and richness to these conversations um, and brings them in places that they might not have gone otherwise. So super grateful to you guys. Thank you for popping up. Um, to our amazing mods, as always, you guys are the champions of all time. Hopefully we'll see everybody bright and early tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Mountain Standard Time at 6 for the West Coast and 9 for the East Coast. Come hang out in the Artist Forge Facebook group. And until tomorrow, guys, go make something amazing. And we'll see you in the morning. Thanks again for listening to this live Clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at the Artist Forge. We hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft. For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.